0: Greetings, my friends, and welcome to Hardwater Radio. This is Jason Archer. We're recording under the umbrella of Hardwater One here in the Valley of the Sun. And today we continue the mission to arm humans with the tools to crush mediocrity, create mastery, and live in total wellness. A lot of times I'm out and about, you know, meeting people. Some people are authors, some people are trainers, you know, some people have, you know, some success in the business world or they're doing, you know, something fantastic. And so I'll strike up a conversation with them and they'll start telling me a little bit about what it is that they're doing and what they want to create and the reason they want to create it and why it matters. And, you know, the lessons that they've learned along the way of creating this massive business or, you know, the lessons that they've learned in creating this beautiful marriage and this amazing family, you know, or some financial Uh, secret that they were able to crack into and, you know, really multiply their assets or their wealth or, you know, really create something of value and bring it into the world like a podcast or, you know, some piece of content, written word, a movie or something like that. And as I'll talk to them, a lot of times when it comes to the conclusion of the conversation, I'll simply say something like, you know, that's a really interesting story. You know, I really picked up a lot of wisdom just sitting here listening to you talk about how you got to be where you are. And I'm just curious if you'd be interested in, you know, recording a podcast, you know, telling your story on mic. And a lot of times the first response is, Really? You you want me to tell this story? I mean, who would really be interested in this? Like it's just me, you know, like who really cares? And at the end of the day, you know, what that is is it's people acknowledging this story that they run about themselves to where they feel like what they have to offer really isn't valuable to the world. And some people have a legit fear of being recorded, but that's a small percentage of people. Usually that's just an excuse to sort of sit back and not have to be, you know, in this place where they, where they feel like they'd be putting themselves in front of other people who could then cast judgment on them. Like there's this, there's this sort of unspoken rule that everyone has to be an imposter. You know, like, uh, you know, you've heard of imposter syndrome. And when you sit across from someone who really is a little tenuous about telling their story, a lot of times it just comes down to, oh, man, you know, well, I could talk about how I built this business and all these great things. But then again, I mean, I'm not Bill Gates and, you know, I'm not Warren Buffett. I'm not any of these, you know, massive investor guys out there. I haven't built a portfolio of billions You know, I'm only sitting over here on millions, you know, kind of a thing. It's like comparing themselves and, you know, like, who am I to tell someone how to build a business? You know, who would who would want to listen to me? You know, this is a lot of times what I get. And so for me, it's really interesting to hear that after I hear someone tell their story. And I, of course, you know, sitting at the feet of this person who's done something great. I'm taking in all these nuggets and I'm pulling in that wisdom and I'm just figuring out different ways that I can incorporate into my life and do all these fantastic things and only to have them say something like, "Uh, no one really wants to hear what I have to say, you know? So it's, um, it's one of those things that when you're looking for that next great thing, you know, that you want to put it into the world and you have someone sort of shut it down. It's, it's frustrating. It's like, no, you really want to, you know, you have so much to bring to the table. You really want to tell this story, you know, you're willing to share this. A lot of people could benefit from this, you know, especially if we can leverage our time together and get it out into the world. You know, you spend an hour, hour and a half with me and then this content lives on forever, you know, and then, you know, sometime down the road, maybe your kids or your grandkids can come back and listen to this thing. And, you know, just all these different Uh, thoughts go through my head, it's like, okay, this is a great time to collect a snapshot of your life and then provide that value to the world. But when we have that programming that says, well, you know, when I was growing up, no one really paid attention to me, or, you know, when I was growing up, I was never really the center of attention, or, you know, I was never really the person that people look to for advice. That's not me, that's my older brother, or that's my sister, or my aunt, or whomever. You know, that's the type of thing that we carry with us, and we make that part of who we are. And it shows up in ways like this where it's like, well, I don't really want to share my story. I don't really want to put myself, you know, into the world. And it's a form of disconnection, really. Not really a heinous sort of a thing. It's not like someone intentionally wants to be disconnected. It's just, it's a form of disconnection. It's a form of ego. It's a form of allowing, you know, yourself to be sort of, you know, separated from the rest of the world. And in that place there's really not a lot of paths forward because you are basically pigeonholing yourself and putting yourself in a box. Like if you have the ability to build a great business or build a great relationship, then the systems that you put in place or the techniques that you model in your relationship, someone else can take that and then duplicate that and create more goodness in the world. That would be a fantastic thing. But if you don't allow for that to happen because you want to shrink from it, right? Because of the way that you feel, because you might seem like you're not the type of person who should be sharing that, or you're not the type of person who, you know, is is worthy of putting their story into the world, then, you know, really it's just creating separation. It's creating a gap between the person that could be impacted and yourself. And it's kind of an interesting way of looking at it because when I was going through uh, the Course in Miracles or A Course in Miracles, they talk about, you know, this interpretation of sin and this interpretation of what it means. And the way that it's defined in, in a course of miracles, a course in miracles is basically it's defined as separation, right? It's ego coming between you and the thing or the people or the brotherhood that you could positively impact, that you could, you know, be a light in their life. And that's really sort of an interesting take that I've picked up recently in terms of this connection piece. And I had a lot of time to think about this recently because I actually just got back into town uh, late last night. And I had been on the road for, I guess, three, three and a half days. I drove our other Jeep down from Calgary uh, to Phoenix here. And over the course of that time period, I was by myself. My wife flew down and I had a lot of time to just sort of sit and think and You know, kind of be with me, listen to some information, um, you know, collect uh, some thoughts, really reconnect with myself. And all of these sorts of things started to run through my head around connection and around development and around where I came from and around where I am now and around what I want to create, all of this stuff. And I realized that in the same way that a lot of people had sort of disconnected from the value of their story. You know, I had sort of disconnected from myself in a lot of ways and not listening to that voice inside me that wants to create something great. And I wanted to give you guys an example of that. I'll start this, this off with this uh, story from this morning. So this morning I get up and I'm, you know, ready to head to the gym. I brought down the mountain bikes along with the Jeep. So I, I rode one of the mountain bikes to the local bike shop and dropped it off for a tune-up. And then I skated out of the store there you know, and ran the rest of the way to the gym. It's only about half a mile or so. So I just jogged all the way to the gym and went in the front door like I always do. I pulled out my electronic membership card on the phone. I scanned it, and there's this gentleman that works at the desk. He is always there to check people in, and he's always there to help people. He's just this amazing dude, and he's got this fantastic energy about him. He's always happy. You know, he's always got a good word to say, really upbeat, positive energy. And he was there as like he is every morning, bringing people in, you know, said hello to me. And I realized that all these times that he's spoken to me, you know, over the over the years that I've lived here, I guess two or three years now, I've always come into the gym with this sort of energy of like, okay, well, I got to get shit done. You know, I don't really have time to talk right now. I got to get shit done and then I got to get it back to the house and then I got to get this done and that done and the other thing. And it's not that I want to be, you know, disconnected or rude to him but I'm just on a mission. And in this place where I'm on a mission, I'm like, well, I don't have time for this shit. You know, I appreciate the fact that he's positive and awesome. We have great people who work here at the gym and I appreciate that. So I go out and do my workout and I come down and I sit at a bench uh, near the reception area, near the front desk area, which is right by a rock climbing wall. And I'm just checking on some content pieces that I had put out and making sure that they had gone through. One of them was a video upload that had been taking a while. And as I'm sitting there, the voice in my head starts to kick up this little bit of language, and he's telling me, hey, Jason, you need to go say something to that guy at the counter. And I'm like, what? What do you mean I need to go say something to that guy at the counter? That's you know that's what not what men do. And the voice is like, yeah, just go tell him that you appreciate him. Tell him thank you. And so I'm sitting there, you know, and I've got this little voice in my head telling me to just go talk to this random stranger sitting behind, you know, a counter. And really, I mean, the guy shouldn't be a random stranger because I've run into him many, many times. I should know his name. I should have had a conversation with him. At least this is what I'm thinking to myself. So now I'm building up this story about what I should have done. And I'm arguing with the voice in my head, telling the voice in my head that's not who I am. And it's really weird if I take time out of my day to go and speak to this stranger that I don't even know. That's going to be really awkward and weird. And what if he thinks I'm some fruitcake and, you know, I'm just, I'm worried about what people think. There's people standing around the counter, you know, making up all these excuses. So I'm sitting there having this argument with the voice in my head about what I'm willing to do and not willing to do. And again, just like the people who minimize their stories, I'm sitting there minimizing the fact that I could potentially have a positive impact on this man this day. Right. Like, it's just me. Like, I'm, I'm, in, I'm a guy and he's a guy like guys don't say things like that to one another. Like, you know, and on top of that, he's an older man from a different generation and they really don't, you know, say things like that to one another. So who am I to walk over there and strike up a conversation with this person that I, you know, just know by sight sort of a thing? And so I keep having this argument. Finally, I get up. I'm going to walk over there. And then there's a big crowd of people around him. I'm like, all right, well, I can't interrupt. So then I go and I wait. And I keep waiting. And then there's an older lady there who's having a problem with her card. And she wants to get checked in. And he's doing his best to get her checked in. However, it's just taking forever, taking forever, taking forever. So then I walk down the hall. I'm just kind of pacing down the hall. The voice is telling me to wait. Wait, wait, wait. You know, you really need to get this done. And I'm just sitting there arguing like, what's the big deal? This really isn't that important. Why am I pacing back and forth like a teenage kid, you know, waiting to ask out this girl that he's intimidated by? Like, I, I felt just like that, you know, I was in that place where totally out of my comfort zone, didn't really know what to do. And this is something at least seemingly very simple where you just literally walk up to someone and you say, hey, man, thank you, right? Right. Why is it why am I making a big deal out of it? Why am I creating all these stories around it where none really need to exist in the first place? So finally I just said fuck it and I walked out. I'm not going to do this. And so as I'm walking out, the voice comes back to my head and it starts telling me you don't want to do this. You don't want to walk away from this. You want to go and tell this person that you appreciate them and that you're happy that they are an employee and that they serve you and you know, you're know you grateful for them. You don't want to do this. And so as the further I got from the front door, the stronger the pull to go back to the front door became. It was the strangest thing. And all it was was the real me, like the part of me that is actually feeling and empathetic, wanting to connect with another human being. And here I am drawing all of these different distinctions and you know, barriers between me and this person to prevent this thing from happening, which you know, on its face could only seemingly be a good thing. So finally, I just decided, all right, I give up. I surrender. I'm going to go and I'm going to do exactly what you asked me to do. And I'm going to be at peace with that. And as soon as I did that, as soon as I surrendered to what needed to happen, a calm came over me. You know, all the stories went away and I walked back into the gym. Again, the guy thought that I was checking back into the gym for some strange reason. I don't know why you would do that, but he thought I was checking back into the gym. So there was a line and he he knew me. So he was directing me around and I just walked up around the line and I pulled him to the side and I said, you know, man, I just want to say I appreciate you and, you know, you always have such positive energy and I thank you for that so thank you for that, and I shook his hand, and I said, my name is Jason, and he said, Jason, man, you really just, you made my day. I can't tell you how happy it makes me to hear that, you know, and we shook hands, and he had this big grin on his face, and then uh, that was it, you know, and then I walked out, you know, like I had walked out before. The only difference was the energy and the level of excitement that I was carrying with me. I had this sort of amazing experience whereby I realized that A, when you give something away, you multiply it, right? So there's a whole rabbit hole we could go down there. And B, it pays to listen to the voice, right? So the first part of that is when you give something away, it multiplies. What I did in that moment was I gave someone acknowledgement. I gave someone joy. I gave someone You know, my gratitude, my my cheer at them being a part, even a small part of my life. And they took that in, right? Lawrence, the gentleman's name, he took that in and he was able to express and feel what it felt like to have that showered on him. And then when he was grateful and when he smiled back at me and when he shook my hand and, you know, told me that I had made his day, he gave it right back to me 10 times over, 10 times over. So I walk out of there and I'm, I'm like starting to get choked up. I was like, I was getting all emotional and I was getting all, you know, just all kinds of, um, feelings were coming up for me. And I was wondering, you know, why is this coming up for me? Why, you know, what's the big deal? You know, I listened to the voice the voice told me to go do this thing. I did this thing. It was positive And I had a positive experience. Lawrence had a positive experience. Why am I getting emotional about it? You know, and then I thought about it and I recorded a video just after I'd done this. And I posted it on Facebook this morning. If you want to go check that out uh, on Facebook, you can see me in the video getting all choked up about it because I was still processing what took place. But I wasn't getting emotional or, or choked up because I was, you know, fearful or frustrated or, you know, out of some sense of, you know, I, I don't know how you would describe it, like anger or, or doubt, maybe doubt is the thing. You know, these are all forms of just negative emotion. So I guess it doesn't really matter what word you put with it. I, was, it wasn't, I wasn't emotional because I was experiencing this negative emotion. I was emotional because I had in that moment realized that I had become a new man. Like I had became new because I listened to the voice without question. You know, I just, after the fight was over, after I let my resistance go to what the voice told me to do, I literally was lighter and I went straight into this thing and I did this thing and had this positive result. But it reminded me of all the times in my life when the voice had told me, hey, do this, do that, you know, speak your truth here, be authentic there. And I refused to do it. I was in not in integrity with my word and my thought. I was coming from a place of I want people to like me or I, I want to stay small and in ego because there's people there that might judge me. You know, I was in every place that I could have been except for inside the best part of me, which was there to give joy in those moments. And so as I look back on the timeline of my life, I started to see all these places where I where I basically told the voice to fuck off and I didn't listen. And because I didn't listen, I was just imagining how the outcomes could have gone. You know, how could things have gone differently How could things have been brighter or bigger in my life if I had showed up with less ego or if I had humbled myself in the moment or if I had really taken to heart the lessons that this person was trying to to give me? You know, where would I be? What would my life look like at that place? You know, would it have taken me, you know, well into my 30s before I was exposed to, you know, the world of human development, personal development and growth? or would it have come much earlier or was it because i was such a know-it-all growing up that you know i i basically repelled all the people who could have helped me get anything that i wanted right so all of these all of these thoughts were running through my head and as i realized that i was letting go of that by listening to the voice i got emotional it's like the tears and the emotion were literally me shedding an old version of myself so we talk about a lot this idea that you want to be a new person each day, that you want to step into a better version of yourself, that you want to incrementally grow. But what does that look like, right? No one really tells you, hey, what does it look like to be a new person? And what I'm telling you that it looked like for me today was basically a choked up blubbering fool there for a good half hour or so as I was processing this. Because as I realized that I had stepped into that place where I not only was willing to accept the part of me that wanted to be sort of carefree and light and then provide that to another person on the instruction of the best part of me, the voice, then I realized that letting go of all the baggage that told me not to do that in the past, that that's an evolution, that that's an evolution that I'm coming to as a man, where I can do that now, where I can just let things go. I don't have to hold on to it. And so when I'm saying, you know, when I'm talking about letting go and I'm talking about sharing this experience with someone, what I'm really talking about is all of the shit that we grow up with. You know, I talked about, I'm sure we've talked about regression in the past and regression in other episodes or basically going back to some point in your life where you decided that things were a certain way when they showed up in your life, right? And you decided that as a child, you could or couldn't trust your parents. You decided, you know, as a child that you could or couldn't trust your best friends. And you did that based on some data, some data point that came up in that particular interaction with those people. You made up a story that made sense for you, that protected you in the moment. And So what I'm going to do is, kind of share with you a little bit about how this showed up in my life. And I mentioned earlier about showing up like a know-it-all. And this is literally probably the first 20, 25 years of my life. That's the only way I knew to show up. And that came from this place of growing up in my household where I had two parents who were from abusive households. And that abuse took place in in different ways. And my mom's side of the family, the abuse looked like screaming and yelling and violent outbursts where, you know, my mom told the story of her brother being, you know, tied to a chair and beaten stuff like this. You know, um, I saw my grandfather like come in and like beat the shit out of my uncle one day, you know, like the, my mom's youngest brother when I was a little kid, you know, just coming up. And I, so I know that there was some reality to this and you know, what she took from that situation was that she had to fight for her survival. That's what she learned in that place, you know. That's the baggage that she carries. That's the stuff that she's taking from one situation to the next situation. My dad, on the other hand, came from an abusive household as well. Probably not as bad as my mom's, but he definitely had his share of you know ass whoopings coming up. The problem in his scenario was he had polio when he was three months old, so as a child with polio i mean so young at the time he was born in 49 i think it was you know so he was born in 49 um you know the the vaccine you know came into being shortly after that and so you know he was so young he never even knew what it was to run cuz it attacked his leg um and so his his leg on one side of his body is basically just there, like the, he has no control over it because polio attacks the nerves, and he wasn't able to move it or exercise it like you know uh, you know like a a real boy you know from Pinocchio, you know like a regular kid, right so in his scenario, getting away from it wasn't as simple as fighting back, like you fight back or or you know screaming and yelling because in his scenario if it got violent enough, he couldn't get away. There's no running away. There was no hiding. You know, there was no escaping the torment and the terror that was coming his way. So his skill set became that of placating people, that of sort of, you know, really taking a negative situation and then creating this rapport whereby he could calm the savage beast, you know, So imagine these two people come together, right? My mom, like, comes from this place where she has to fight for her life, and my dad comes from this place where he has to placate, you know, or he has to play peacemaker. And so that's not going to work, right? Like, you've got one giving and one always receiving, and that's going to be a a pretty, you know, a pretty conflict-rich environment because when you're a person who wants to fight, you need someone who's going to fight you. You need that, right? when you're a person who is placating and all you can do is try to calm someone down. You're not giving the fighter what the fighter needs in the moment. And so it just makes it worse, you know, because neither person is really coming from essence. They're just coming from the baggage that they brought with them from previous experiences, right? They brought this baggage from their families into their current reality. And that's the nature of how it goes. And I was reminded of this when we were in Canada this past week, seeing my my wife interact with her family And the way that her parents interact, you know, like old school Italian, you know, they speak Albanian from southern Italy. And, you know, when they go at one another, they just let it fly. You know, nothing is held back. And so it gave me an insight into some of the interactions that I have with my wife, because obviously she picked up some of that, just like I picked up some of my parents. And we brought that with us. Right. But the interesting thing about all this is that none of that stuff has to be your reality once you realize That you had no choice in taking it on. You know, you had no choice when you were a kid. So for me, when I was a kid coming up in this really uncertain environment, like I never knew when I walked in the front door, if my mom was going to be, you know, sort of a raging buzzsaw or if she was going to be calm or what. My dad generally wasn't going to be there because he was at the office. So when I came in from school, it was always like a cross your fingers and I hope I don't get yelled at today. I hope I don't get attacked today when I walk through the door. And it created this situation where you just never knew. You just never knew. So you didn't want to have friends come over because you just didn't know, right? You didn't want to deal with the embarrassment of having your mother like berate you in front of other people. And so because there was so much uncertainty in that environment, for me, I created this persona that knew everything. I created this persona that had to be certain of everything because I was making up for this lack of certainty in my childhood. You know, I never knew. So therefore, in some other area of my life, I had to know. I had to know. I had to be the one that knew it. And I had to be that because it was my only way of staying sane, right? It's, there's no way of, sort of reconciling the fact that your parents are supposed to love you and build you up. But at the same time, that's not always the case. So what what is the story I'm going to make up about this really wild situation that I'm living? Well, I don't know. Maybe I just need to be the type of person who knows everything, right? I can create some certainty around that at least. When everything else doesn't add up, I can pretend I know everything else outside the house, Right? <laughs> And of course, I carried that over into my relationships. I carried that over into my schooling. I carried that well into my 20s. And it would be my 30s before I was ever exposed to this idea of creating awareness around how you're showing up. Right. And so I wanted to take a a few minutes during the course of this podcast and just share some things, some ways of being that I really had to create in my life to create what I what I have and what I've built over the course of the last, you know, 15 20 years or so. So the first bit you could probably already guess which is coming from this place of being light. So being light is this idea of really just letting go of all of the things that weight you down, right? So the stories that you're not worthy, the stories that you can't Do or be or become the thing that you want to be or become, letting go of that and just being in flow, like being in that state where things are happening, you know, just effortlessly. And that's, you know, after today's example of dealing with Lawrence at the gym, you know, of of giving into the voice, right? I was taking all of these stories about what I thought men should be and how they should interact and, you know, what they should say to one another. And I was arguing with the voice in my head that's telling me to go create joy for someone. I mean, for fuck's sake, like I'm asking you to create joy for someone. How hard is that? Why can't you just do that, Jason? Listen to me, Jason. <laughs> and here I am just creating all of these stories. And, and, you know, I was on the phone with my dad for a good hour and a half uh, over the course of the drive. And you know, he brought up a lot of that for me. He was talking about how men, how men interact and, you know, how a man should be. And, you know, we got into some political conversations and all the rest of that sort of stuff. So those, those stories were reactivated, and I brought those into my, my reality this morning, right? But the reality is that my reality is a choice that I create. I didn't have to go into those stories. I didn't have to. They're there. They're always going to be there. They're never going anywhere. I'm aware of them. But I'm also aware of the fact that I have agency between the time the story arrives in my head and the time that I get to act on the other side of it. So that bit of agency between the story and the thoughts and the emotions you create around it and the action that you take based on the story. Are mitigated by the agency that happens between the two. So, being an agent for myself, acting on my better half, is what I was able to do this morning. And when I did that, I let go of those stories long enough to step into flow and create joy. And what that did was that allowed me to be light, light, like I floated out of the gym. I literally floated out of the gym. Yeah, I had so much energy you know, I was just on this natural high, I was doing the tears of joy thing, I was realizing that I was becoming a different person, that I had this ability to step into this different way of being, that things didn't have to be the way that, you know, that they were in the past and all the rest of it, right? So being light is one of the most amazing ways of being for me, and I tell you from experience that every time I get to this point where I need to let go of something and I step in this place of lightness, There's nothing like it. And for me, I'm a crier. Like you get me in front of a good movie or, you know, an emotional song or whatever the case may be, and I'm a crier. So I just let it fly. And that's exactly what happened for me today. And that's one of the reasons that I knew that I was shedding that part of me that didn't need to be there, right? Just letting go of that, not carrying it with me, making a different choice. And we all have the ability to do that. So that first state of being, of being light is crucial and key. To all of the rest of it, because when you bring that baggage with you, the only thing that you get is what you've been willing to be with. So if all you've been willing to be with was the bullshit in the baggage, you know I'm not going to the seminar because it costs money, or I'm not going to do this weight loss plan because it costs money, or I'm not get, you know I'm not going to do this or that because so and so laughed at me and blah 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 blah. You know all of that bullshit keeps you where you're at. It makes you heavy. It anchors you to the fucking ground, and people end up be- behaving like they're trees. You are not fucking rooted to the ground any more than I am. You don't like your fucking job, you can get another one. You don't like the town you live in, you can move to another one. There is always a place where you can go to create something more bigger or better. The problem is that people take themselves when they go to the new place. They take their old self with them to the new place, and then they wonder why nothing is new. So that first state of being, being light, is all about unpacking that suitcase and leaving that shit at home, just going, just going, just jumping into it. The next state of being that I feel is super important and one that's often overlooked, or at least... I'll say often misunderstood is this concept or this idea of being real. You know, we use a lot of words in in the modern world and we've basically taken the meaning from the words, you know, like get real, be real. What do you mean being real? You know, and, and it becomes this sort of meaning about loyalty. It has nothing to do with reality. You know, a part of reality is that people are disloyal. So you shouldn't be surprised when someone is disloyal. That's part of reality. Doesn't mean everyone's going to be or doesn't mean that in the future people will will be. It just means that it's part of reality, you know? Just like people have car accidents. That's part of reality. Just like people get sick. That's part of reality. And this idea of being real is 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 sort of fresh in my mind because coming off the road, you know, staying in hotel rooms each night I generally don't turn the TV on because we don't have cable in the house. I don't allow it in the house. I haven't had it in the house since '09, I believe it was. So, you know, over 10 years. And the reason we don't do that and, and, and put that stuff in our minds is because it's just fear-based bullshit and garbage. And most of it is just commonly recurring, you know, incidences that are made to seem dramatic and real. And with the 24 hour news cycle and everything on the world being connected. Now, if there's no tragedy in your hometown, we can get a tragedy from somewhere else and we can import that and make it national news. And now everybody in, you know, Athens, Georgia, my hometown knows that somebody got shot in Sacramento, California, you know, And, and really, okay. That happens everywhere in the world all the time, every day. It's happening somewhere all the time, someone is being, you know, someone is being violated, someone is being hurt, but at the same time, someone is being helped, you know, someone is is being healed, someone is being cured, but that's not the part that's recorded or reported. So this idea of being real is this idea that you shouldn't argue with reality. It has nothing to do with loyalty and all this other horseshit that you hear in every other rap song. Being real is about understanding the way the world works. Like, I have a real expectation that in any partnership, that partnership could end. I have a real expectation that in any partnership, that partnership might last a lifetime. You know, I have have a very real expectation that I'm going to do well in business, but I also understand that the reality is that most businesses fail. These are just real things. So when they happen... When they occur, when I hear about them happening in other people's lives, when I see them occurring in other people's lives, what is my role? Is my role to get upset and add to the zeitgeist of fear and bullshit and drama? Or is my role to calm, to be a positive influence on what's actually happening, to let people know that that's part of the game, right? When you choose into the game of business or you choose into the game of relationship, when you choose into those games, you choose into all of the consequences, right? So you don't get to pick just the happy stuff. You don't get to pick just the days where you made great sales or the days where you had lots of great sex. You get to pick all of the days where you walked in the house and your girlfriend was taking a dump and she left the door open and nobody made a sale at the office and the grocery store didn't have your favorite water and all the bullshit, right? Like all of it, you get to choose into all of it. And that's what makes this colorful fabric of reality, reality but you don't get to pretend like your life doesn't include reality. You don't get to pretend, Oh, you know, well, I can't ever get on a plane because a plane crashed two years ago in Australia or wherever, right? That happens. It just happens. You know, you're not going to not get in a car because someone was in a car accident 30 minutes ago, five miles from your house. Well, that happens. That's part of reality. But you have to also realize the flip side of that. Right. And the vast majority of people who got in cars today weren't in an accident. You know, planes are safer than cars, statistically speaking, et cetera, et cetera, so on and so forth. Right. Like you get the whole gamut of the world. There's no picking and choosing. So feigning outrage, like what we've got going on right now with the oppression Olympics all over social media and Facebook, like my life is worse than your life. And you know, I'm more put upon than you and somebody called me a name and this and that, and the other thing. Okay. That's part of reality. And it's not going to change no, no matter, you know, how many times you bitch about on Facebook. So at the end of the day, what do you want to do? Do you want to accept the fact that someone called you a silly name or a mean name or a rude name? And just say, okay, well, that's your shit. Deal with it and go on about your day. Or do you want to let them get under your skin and be out of sorts for the rest of the day and part of tomorrow? And next week when someone asks you how things are going, you bring it up because you're still not over it. And which do you choose? I mean, unless your plan is to be upset for the rest of your life, the, the, the best thing to do would be to get back to a state of normal as quickly as human possible, quickly as humanly possible. Right. There's no point in the outrage and the upset unless it gets you to a positive place. Right. So the person that wrongs you is, you know, probably at home watching Netflix, chilling with their significant other. And you're over here worried about the fact that they said some shitty thing to you and they don't even know that they did it because in the moment you pretended it didn't bother you. Right. You didn't have the balls to say anything to them in the place. Right. in that space and time. So being real is recognizing the way the world works. It doesn't mean that you have to accept all parts of it. It just means that you have to realize that things are what they are. They are what they are. And you can spend your lifetime trying to change them, or you can spend your lifetime trying to change you, and by default, changing everything around you. Only one of those two things is going to be productive, and only one of those two things makes you not a victim and I think you probably know which one that is. Choose to accept reality for what it is. Choose to be responsible for how you show up in the world. Don't let people take you off your game. That's not what it's about. That's not why you're here. And again, you don't want to be upset by something that doesn't impact you anyway. Nine times out of ten, people are coming from their bullshit and there you go. They're not even thinking about you. So why are you thinking about them? Right. This other one comes up a lot, right? This next one, this idea of just being okay, right? Be okay with where you're at. Be okay with where you're at. Be okay with where you're at. That does not mean that you have to be content with where you're at. So I'll give you an example. So I started this whole, social media, recording videos, creating podcasts, creating content. I guess it's been about two years ago now. And so relatively speaking in the game of quote unquote social media and influence and all the rest of it, I'm fairly a new voice. You know, I'm just getting started. I have nowhere near as many reps as other people. I'm not investing in teams of people to push out 18,000 pieces of content every single day. I'm not copying the cliche posters from work and pasting them on your wall. I'm not doing any of that stuff. What I'm doing is I'm doing my best to create original content that's meaningful uh, on Instagram and Facebook, syndicate it out, and then provide some video content that does the same thing. Because my goal in the world is to create a place that I want to live in. Okay, so that starts with me. If I want to create a place that I want to live in, I have to be okay with the fact that I'm not there yet. I'm not on level 18. I'm on level two. I'm year two. I'm level two. Okay. I'm a level two. There are people out there on level 18, level 10, you know, level whatever. Some people are coming in starting on level 15 because they had books or movies or TVs in a different form of media. And so now they're coming in and they're bringing their audience over and they're jumping off from a different level and that's okay. Right? So I have to be okay with the fact that that's not where I'm at yet. I can't compare my chapter two was someone else's chapter 20. It doesn't make any sense. And this is the same thing that I'm experiencing. So I'll spend a lot of time creating content, spends, uh, you know, a lot of time reading, taking information in so that I can provide value and give it back to people. Right. And then when I post it, I get two likes, 20 likes, 50 likes, a hundred likes, hearts, whatever the thing is. I don't get thousands, you know, And sometimes I don't get any. And the thing of it is, is why am I doing it in the first place, right? I'm not doing it to get likes or hearts or recognition. Those things are nice. Like My ego operates just like everyone else's. So when I have a piece that does really well, I feel really good, right? But I didn't create it for that feeling. I created it for the rep. It's another fucking rep, Right? it's another fucking rep because I'm in the process. I'm new, I'm building. I have a lot of work to do. I have, it's seemingly never ending amount of work to do when it comes to creating this persona that allows me to step into different versions of myself every single day. And by doing that, that means I have to sit down, I have to read and learn, right? And then I have to teach what I've learned. There's no greater way to learn than by teaching. So when I write a piece or when I record a piece and I put it out there and it has great response, I love that. But what I love more is the fact that I did it. I did it. So there's those days when, you know, I don't get something out until late in the day or I'm, I'm hard pressed for time or I'm not feeling it in the moment or I'm in a space where I don't want to create and things are bearing down on me. I'm in that place where I don't want to fucking move. And if you followed my stuff, you'll see this hashtag, move anyway. I'm talking to me. I'm talking to me in those moments. It's like, Jason, move anyway. Get your ass up and move anyway. I don't care how you feel. Move anyway. Put in another rep. Do it again. Create mastery around this thing that you want to create. And every time I do that, no matter how shitty I feel going into it, by the time I'm done... I feel amazing because I have this accomplishment, right? I have this thing that I, I stepped over. Again, I shed that part of me, that lower self, long enough for me to create something. And then when I walked away from the thing I created, I had this rush of positive energy because I know I provided some value to the world. I put something out there that's worth someone's time. And it doesn't matter how many likes it gets. It doesn't matter if anyone sees it. I saw it, I created it, and I got in another rep, which means I got better, which means I have something that I can learn or learn from, and from that place, I am okay with being on level two, I'm okay with being on level two, next year on level three, I'll have higher expectations, but I'm okay with where I am right now, not content, I'm okay, right? I can manage my emotions from this place. I can manage that part of me that doesn't want to move. I can manage that part of me that says you have nothing to offer. I can manage that part of me that says nobody gives a shit, but I give a shit. I give a shit that I move and that's why I move. Again, okay, but not content. Be okay with where you're at. Understand what chapter you're in. And don't fall prey to that whole comparison sickness bullshit on Instagram and Facebook and TikTok and all the rest of it because you have to remember much of that is just a carefully curated collection of images that people present that don't represent their lives at all. Very little, very little of it has an element of the way they really feel or the way they really respond or show up in the world. And you know this when you meet them, just like me, right? They're happy, smiley on social media. In everyday life, they walk around wearing a frown. You know, everybody loves the family on Instagram, and you, you see them, and they're arguing in the parking lot. Right? Like, it's just the way it is. Like, no one is what you think they are. They're just not. They're people, just like you and me. So don't fall prey to that. Be okay with where you are and what you're building. Be okay with the business that you're building, the relationship that you're building, again, but not content. There's always another level, always another level. And you can attain that if you put in enough reps and create enough practice around the thing you want to create. The problem that people run into is not being okay in terms of falling prey to that whole comparison sickness thing. And the next thing you know, paralysis kicks in and it's game over well, I'll never catch up to so-and-so. They've got 1.7 million followers and, you know, a nationally syndicated podcast and, you know, this and that and the other thing. Well, you definitely won't catch them if you don't create some shit. That's what it comes down to. Definitely create what is inside of you. Bring it forth. Be okay with where you're at, though. Be okay with where you're at. Next up is this idea of humility. And this is something that, man, I struggle with drastically. Because again, remember, I told you at the top of the podcast what a know-it-all I was, right? Like, can you imagine a know-it-all being humble? I mean, those things are basically mutually exclusive. You cannot know everything and still carry any form of humility with you in anything that you're doing. This is kind of funny. I'll tell you a story from when I was uh, in college. In college, I was working under the table at a tent shop. Um, Tent as in window, auto glass tent. Like we were putting window film on cars, you know, um, cars and trucks and all the rest of it, right? Occasionally we would do a commercial job or we would do a residential home where they needed, you know, film put on windows in those applications. But the vast majority of what we did was in a shop the guy I worked for was good. Like he was really good. It was just a family business. He and his wife, you know, they lived, you know, um, just outside of Athens and, you know, they had their own little business in this this little uh, concrete building. They lived a short distance away and basically it was a one-man operation with the wife helping out every once in a while. She got pregnant, so they needed some help and they're sitting over here. This is in the 90s and they're making six figures a year you know, paying almost no rent with no overhead and, um, you know, just tanning windows. So they're paying me under the table and they're paying me like, I don't know, five or six bucks an hour, uh, which at this point in time would have was, was good, good money for a college student. And, uh, you know, I, at least I thought it was good. I was, I was bringing home hundreds of dollars every single week. And I was like, ah, it's got all this money. Go out and spend it, spend all this money. Right. And uh, it was funny because, you know, he was so good and he was teaching me, you know, he was teaching me how to pull door panels from cars and, you know, how to get in and around the moldings and, you know, how to clean everything properly so that when you put the film on, you don't have bubbles and you don't have dirt and debris and fingerprints all over it. You know, he was a master at it. You know, he could take a piece of curved glass, put a piece of window film on it, heat shrink it so that it formed, fit the glass, you know, and it was just amazing. And so the the know-it-all in me you know the part the part of me that didn't want to be an apprentice you know could only take that for so long there was this part of me that wanted to be him like there was a part of me that i wanted to be the guy who could do the tinting really really well but at no point in that position was i going to be allowed to put anything on any vehicle i think the entire time that i was there he might have let me do a couple smaller pieces of quarter glass on the back side of a, of a vehicle you know, or maybe a flat piece of glass, you know, once a month or something like that. It was, he he didn't want anyone but himself doing it. And I get it because it's an art form, right? I get it now. And the point at the, back then, I just thought he didn't trust me. And, you know, he didn't, he didn't think I could do it. And, you know, I was making up all these stories right, like we do. So anyway, so I worked for him until um, something happened. I forget, but it was, I was driving across town. I think I had to, I think my schedule shifted or something. And, and so I, I left and I started looking for another job and I applied for a job, tending windows on the other side of town at this other shop that was looking for help. And I was like, Oh, well I'll go in there and help, you know, cause I've, I've seen, I've seen Chris, the guy who owned the other place. I've seen him do it a hundred times. I can just do it. Right. So the first day I come in there, they're bringing in like a, I think it was like a forerunner or something. It had a lot of glass and there was a lot of curved glass on it. It was not a a simple job at all. And here I am, like all I had really been doing was prepping cars. And I told the guy, you know, yeah, I can do it and, <laughs> you know, and all this other stuff. So, you know, we start the car, I uh, would start tending that car like that morning, you know, and I'm in there struggling. I'm like messing up different bits of film. I'm wasting material, you know, I'm not getting the job done. And then, um... You know, so they're looking at me sideways. I could, I could feel them looking at me. You know, I was making up all these stories and, uh, you, know, how, you know, how they were looking at me and, and uh, you know, they had every right to because I wasn't getting the job done. I wasn't getting any of the work done, right? But, they, you know, it was my first days so that they were giving me, you know, they were giving me a shot, right? And then a couple times I heard some sideways remarks and then a couple times it was like, okay, well, these remarks are getting worse. And so lunchtime rolls around and I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to go for lunch. And so I fired up my car and I went for lunch and I never came back. <laughs> I just walked the fuck out, never came back, left them sitting there with that big ass Toyota forerunner. You know, it's like an all day job, you know, or at least four or five hour job. And half the day was gone. The customer was probably expecting their car after lunch, you know, it was nowhere near done. Right. So, they had no help. And here I am stranding them. I had lied to them about my capabilities because I knew everything. And, you know, because I knew everything, I wasn't in a, in a space where I could ask for help. Like the owner knew how to tent, you know, it was his shop, you know, he knew what he was doing. And I could have simply just gone to him and said, you know what, man, listen, I'm sorry, but you know, I just, I don't have the skill set to do this particular vehicle or this piece of glass. I don't know how to heat shrink it or, or curve it properly, I need some help, you know, can you, can you, you know, show me what I need to do, you know, because I'm a fast learner, at the very least, if he, you know, sh- literally pulls me aside and says, here, practice this and do this a few times, I'd get it, you know, it may not be perfect, but I'd be proficient at it, but I wasn't capable of humbling myself and going to someone and saying, I don't know, I don't know how to do this, I do not know how to do this and I just want to sit at your feet and learn from you. Now how ridiculous is this? Like this came up a lot for me in my life again with the whole know-it-all thing, wanting wanting to create certainty where there was none as a child. You know, coming up with this whole know-it-all thing. I mean, I I had I can cite so many examples where this limited me many, many times over. But this idea of just constant questioning just constantly being curious, constantly remembering that the more you learn, the less that you know, you know, constantly taking on this idea that in order to advance, you need to know the nuance, right? It's not enough to know, you know, the broad strokes, you got to know the nuance, like when that Toyota 4Runner comes in there or whatever car comes in there and it's got all this curved glass and you don't know what to do, hey, <laughs> you know, you're screwed, you're screwed. You might know the concept, but you don't know the nuance. And in that place, there's no mastery. That's why, you know, part of the mission is about creating mastery. And one of the things that I want to create mastery around is being a perpetual student. You know, I love talking to people and I love learning from people now. And I'm at a place where I can, you know, check my ego at the door and sit at someone's feet and just let them tell me how it's going to be or how it's supposed to be, you know. And I'm probably not 100% there yet. You know, because these programs die hard. You know, this baggage that we carry, you know, sometimes it's not just us holding on to it. Sometimes it holds on to us. And in that place, you know, in that place, there's no room for growth. So just remembering that coming to a situation with humility and being humble and being the person who asks the most questions, who being the person who really wants to learn mastery and understanding that that takes reps, 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 just like I was talking about before, You know, that's the person that's going to get somewhere. That's the person that you want to be. And that's the person that I wasn't for many, many years. So just speaking from experience, if you take that into the place that you're that you want to create, you have a much better chance because the people who've been there and done that a lot of times they see you struggling and they see you open to information. They see you wanting to listen. They'll stop what they're doing and they'll give you a shot. Right. They really will. This next piece is often misunderstood. This, this next way of being is about vulnerability. And a lot of people think that vulnerability is about coming from this place of, you know, like, I guess being open to, you know, being attacked or being weak or having some sort of, you know, deficiency, you know. But being vulnerable is not about any of that. In, in vulnerability, that's where you find your power. Again, and you can't be vulnerable if you don't have any humility. You, you know, all of these things stack, you know, being light, being real, being okay with where you are, being humble, and then being being vulnerable. These things stack on one another, and they go in a specific methodology. And without that humility piece, the vulnerability piece doesn't make any sense because, again, when you're going into this state of vulnerability and, and understanding what that means, you are opening yourself to attack. Like you're making it, you're making an attack possible, but what you're not doing is guaranteeing one, right? So, for example, you might say that a military convoy on an open road in enemy territory is vulnerable, right? It could be attacked. But what you can't say is that it will be attacked 100% all the time, certainty, guaranteed. You cannot say that. For all you know, No one's even aware of the convoy, right? But whether they are or not, the convoy is vulnerable. It has exposed itself. It has presented itself in a foreign territory. It has put itself in a place where bad things could happen, right? And this is what we do when we start to listen to the voice, when we start to put ourselves in those places where we're uncomfortable. We're in that vulnerability. We're in that place where we could be attacked, Right. But that doesn't mean we're going to be. And in fact, the vulnerability piece is all about strength, because remember, to go into a place where you think or where you might create a potential attack, you have to have the strength to handle that. Right. So there's no bit of vulnerability that's about weakness vulnerability is all about strength, 100% all the time, right? And you know this instinctually, guys, you'll recognize this one for sure. So you go out to the bars, right? And you're scanning the room and you're looking around at all the girls, you know, back in the single days. And, you know, you're looking at uh, some gorgeous creature across the bar and, and you want to go talk to her, right? And you you're with your boys. And Sitting there, you're talking about what you're gonna say and how you're gonna approach her and all the rest of the stuff, right? And in the back of your mind, you know you're gonna puss out, right? You know it, and you know the guy to your right is gonna puss out, and you know the guy to your left is gonna puss out, but you know there's that one guy who just doesn't give a shit, right? <laughs> and you want to be around that guy because you want to be like him. There's power in the vulnerability, he pops his ass up and he walks right up to her and he strikes up a conversation and he doesn't give two shits what you think or what she thinks. He just does it. He knows that he could potentially get shot down. He knows it and you know it too. And that's why you're watching intently, right? You're hoping for a crash and burn, right? (laughs) There's a part of you that wants to see him crash and burn so you can laugh. That's just part of it. Part of the game that we play, right? But there's no part of you that doesn't respect that action because he had the balls to get up and do what you wouldn't do. He had the balls to put himself out in front of the entire room and do something that you wouldn't do. And for that reason, you respect someone who exhibits true vulnerability because you recognize it not as vulnerability but as strength. Vulnerability is strength across the board. And with that, you open yourself up, but you also open up many, many possibilities, right? Like, so the guy who approaches the girl at the bar opens up the possibility of getting her number. If he gets her number, he opens up the possibility of a date and a possibility of a relationship. He opens up all these possibilities. Whereas you sit there in strength, right, in safety, your safe harbor, holding onto your beer, pretending to look cool, hoping someone's going to come talk to you, and it doesn't happen because you didn't create the possibility. You didn't create the possibility. You didn't go as deep. You didn't get as vulnerable. So your possibilities are limited. You're the person that has to wait for someone to approach you, right? And as we've already determined, the people who are strong enough to experience the vulnerability of walking up to someone is a smaller percentage of the population. So immediately, your chances are slim and none. So remember that vulnerability is not about anything other than stepping into the strength of who you really are and opening yourself up to potential attacks, not guaranteed attacks, right? It's a potential attack, and that requires the strength of mind, the strength of will, and the strength of the core of your being to to be ready for that and weather it when it comes, right? And the last little bit of this, the last little bit of ideas around being this that I want to share with you guys tonight has to do with results. You know, there's a lot of talk in the world about what people should do. Society should do this. Government should do that. You know, my wife should do this. My husband should do that. My boyfriend, my girlfriend, my friend, my teacher, my, everybody should do something. But really what you should be doing Should be based on the results that you want to create, and that's it. Okay? The results that you want to create, and that's it. As long as you want to create a positive outcome in the world, you gauge your progress by positive results, right? So, this is something that a lot of people, myself included, struggle with because we get attached to an idea, we get attached to a business, we get attached to a person, we get attached to a friendship right we get attached to all these different things we get attached to you know elements of our life and we don't want those elements of our life to look different because then we have to deal with change and we all know how the human animal dislikes change right but if the results that we're creating by being attached to this business or this partner or this whatever tell us that we're going the wrong direction from what we want to create then we have to look at the result and let the result be our guide right If I'm creating a business and the business is not doing well, or the business is just breaking even, or there's no hope on the horizon for the business to do better. In other words, the results aren't indicating a positive pattern. Would I be right or would I be wrong to go do something else? Should I continue to sacrifice my precious life force doing something that isn't serving me or has no hope of serving me? Or do I need to go deeper with it and learn more mastery around that particular topic? Maybe I need to learn more about sales. You know, maybe the results are telling me that because the trend line isn't up, my income line isn't up, well, maybe I don't need to walk away from the business, but maybe I break down the business into a, a link of chains and I say, okay, well, this, this part's working, you know, maybe I'm getting enough leads, but I'm not getting enough sales, So I need to focus on how to nurture leads into sales. I need to learn that aspect of business, right? Again, the result is being my guide. And if I learn how to make sales and the trend line changes, then maybe I stay with that, right? But again, I'm looking at my results. My results are being my guide. And this holds true, Same same way across the board in relationships or you know whatever you want to create right like if you're building a home or you know building a relationship with your son or your daughter or your friends and you see that the progress or the results that you create as a family or or as a peer group you know or in terms of your project completion if you see those are negative then your results are telling you something has to change it doesn't matter how vulnerable you are it doesn't matter how many skills you bring to that, if the result you're creating is negative, then you need to go back to the drawing board and really take a hard look at how it's possible to create a more positive result. Simple as that, right? But what we tend to do, the contrast or the flip side of that is we tend to get emotionally tied to that person, emotionally tied to that business You know, we've got all these sunk costs. I have invested so much time into this relationship and we've been together for seven years and na-na-na-na-na, right? And you have all these sunk costs, all this sunk time in this investment, you know? And then it becomes, rather than a logical results-based sort of a thing, it becomes an emotional, I'm not really making the rational decision kind of a thing. And from that place, you're guaranteeing that you're going to be unhappy because you're guaranteeing that the result that you want to create will never be created, right? Maybe that person that you thought was going to be the best partner in the world for your marriage or for your business turns out to not really be on the same uh, wavelength as you, and it's time to move on, right? But because you've got so much time invested in this person and you've You've, you know, you've treated, you you, you've, you've treated yourself and this person to all these conversations and these dinners, and you've had minor successes along the way. And you're addicted to that weekly conference call because you get to check in and feel important around this thing that you're creating. Well, again, those things as they exist are already giving you this result that you've already gotten. And if the trend line is not in your favor and you're not changing anything, then the best that you can hope for is what you've got, right? Again, it's this idea of behaving as if you're rooted to the ground. And as a human being, that's the last thing we are. We have every opportunity to move, learn, and grow if we choose to. And in today's world where we have access to pretty much the entire you know, database of earth in the palm of your hand, if you will, You know, there's really no need for you to not have the information you need. There's no need for you to not be open to other opportunities. There's no need for you not to have this ability to move in the face of this adversity to either create the result you want or move on to another opportunity. You know, these things are everywhere all around us. And a quick flip of your phone will reveal 90% of them to you, right? And then you can set about the creation of that. Now, what I'm not saying is that if you have negative results, you should quit, right? Just like before, when you have something that you need to get good at, when you need to create mastery around something, it's gonna, you have to realize that it's going to create time. I'm not saying you start a relationship and it's, you know, well, this person didn't wash the dishes the way I wanted them to wash the dishes, so, you know, that's the end of it. And if you really like this person, you're going to find a way to make the dishes a non-issue, right? And you just will right? That is such a minor part of, of your interaction, right? Same thing in business. Like if you're just starting in business, you're going to put some time in it. You're going to put some, some, some work into it. You're going to put in some effort in terms of creating that result. You're going to try some different things. You're not just going to quit because after month one, you didn't have the sales that you wanted. That doesn't make any sense, but you might put a time limit on it and say, you know what, at the end of three years or at the end of five years, if we're not at X, then I've done my best and I'm going on to the next thing because, again, your your life is limited. Right. We have a finite amount of time here. And you never know when that is going to be up. Right. When I was coming up, you know, one of the most common things was, you know, people just sort of fell into their life. They just fell into it. You know, Um, you were expected to go to college. That was a given you know, in my household, it was just assumed that you would go to school, you know, so, you know, even though I didn't really want to go to college, I went to college because my parents wanted me to go to college, you know, I sort of muddled my way through, got my degree in mathematics and education, and, um, you know, didn't go to my graduation, um, graduated remotely, had them send my diploma, you know, and my mom got to frame my diploma for me, right, (laughs) so she got her diploma, right, or I got my diploma for her, And then she framed it for me, and now she could say, she could have the status of saying that she had a kid that went to college, right? And, um, you know, it was just expected that I would do that. Likewise, in the the small town that I grew up in, it was expected that at 18, 19, 20 years old, you're in a serious relationship. You're in college, and you're going to graduate college, and then you're going to get married, you know? And then after that, you're going to start having kids, and you're going to be 25 years old, and you're going to have you know, some corporate job somewhere where you sit behind a desk and you get fat and you eat donuts and you know you you know you provide a nice home for your wife and for your kids and everybody's bored and then the next thing you know you and your wife are fat. You're not having sex anymore. You don't really want to do anything but eat with the relatives. You know your energy is gone. And you know that's just that's just the way it was. By the time you're 30, I mean, you're basically settled into the rest of what your life was going to look like until you retire. And then when you retire, you know, you're retiring on some crappy pension or some 401k plan that doesn't really cover the way that you want to live. So you end up retiring with less money than you had when you were working, which is most people's plans. And you just followed that pattern, right? And I was lucky enough to get out of the small town that I grew up to see that life could be any way that I wanted to create it, Right that their results didn't have to be my results and i never wanted their results but those were the only ones i knew possible when i was in that environment right so leaving you know watkinsville georgia this tiny little town outside of athens georgia and going to the carolinas and then virginia and then southern california and new mexico and washington state and then traveling all through the midwest you know with one of my girlfriends and then now you know living half the year in calgary where my wife is from and then learning about uh, Southern Italy and the Albanian culture that that thrived there, that moved there. You know, I see all these different ways of being. I see all these different possible lives, you know, and I and I've lived a very different life from a lot of folks because I was able to see that. And fortunately, you know, my wife, she was open to the fact that, you know, with me being a U.S. citizen and her being a Canadian citizen, that you know, we would spend a lot of time apart early on in our relationship. You know, we we were questioned constantly about how this was going to work, you know, and we spent the first, you know, eight years of our relationship basically going back and forth across border. You know, fortunately, I was an entrepreneur, so I could travel north and spend summers and, uh, you know, some winters there as well. And then she would come down here uh, for the warmer weather whenever she had time off, right? And that's just the way it, it worked out for us. But it was all because, the results that I wanted to create in my life weren't possible in the conventional ways of being that I saw other people living their lives, right? I learned about money late in life. I learned about personal development later in life. I say late, like, you know, in my 30s, right? So I've only been at this for about 10 years. You know, I've only been at this for a very short period of time. And I have not created all the results I want to create yet. So I'm nowhere near done. I'm nowhere near, like, you know, settled in for the rest of my life. Like every year I'm looking to do something bigger to learn a little bit more, to grow a little bit more. And it's all based on the results that I get to create inside the context of my marriage, my businesses, and around the people that I get to work with. And I would encourage you guys to just take a look at your results. If, you're, if your life isn't shaping up the way you want it to shape up, then basically what you're saying is you don't have the results you want to have. The only way to get different results is to do something different, right? As cliche as that sounds, it's so true. You have to be willing to do something different. And the older you get, like the more you age into the programming that you carry with you from childhood, the more difficult it is to make those changes and the less risk you'll want to take on as you acquire more shit, right? And you have more obligations and you have a family or whatever the case may be, you know? So getting a little heavier there, I guess, than I really intended to. But I wanted to share those ways of being with you guys tonight. I feel like a lot of people are searching right now. I feel like there's a an awareness happening in the world that wasn't previously there. I feel like there's a lot of people looking around for different things. I know that in my hometown, you know, I probably wasn't ready for any of the growth experiences that I've had since since moving from there so i don't know if i would have even been open to experiencing any of the things or you know gaining a new awareness because that wasn't something that we practiced in my household right it was it was foreign to me i probably would have looked down upon it or looked at it like it was just a bunch of weirdos getting together saying woo woo shit that doesn't really matter or make any difference in the world and you know now i look back and i just wonder what i could have created had i been exposed to these tools earlier on right how How much further down my path would I be if I knew now what I knew in my 20s, right? Or if I knew in my 20s what I knew now, I guess to to say it more correctly. Like if someone had exposed me to self-awareness, if someone had exposed me to the proper way to go after a goal, if someone had exposed me to the business world at that point in my life, would I have been in a different space today? I definitely would have been better financially because I've always been pretty good with money. Um you know, but I probably would have already made my money by now instead of still being in the process of making it, right? But you never know. Like, the flip side of that is, well, if who you are, if you have to accept who you are, you know, both positive and negative, then who's to say that if I had experienced uh, a a different early childhood and early adulthood, that I would have any of the experiences that I have today, right? Right my path would probably look completely different. I would have made different decisions. I would have ended up in different places. I never would have, have traveled in the same way. I never would have taken on the different roles at works, at work and jobs and entrepreneurships and, and at entrepreneurship that I did as a result of being on the path of finding all of that stuff, like learning all those tools and techniques, figuring out how to be, figuring out how to have more control over how I wanted to show up in the world, right? So... Yeah, some crazy stuff. But looking back on it, man, I have to say, guys, this is one of the biggest things. Just, I'm so grateful for where I am today. I'm grateful for the fact that I've been able to learn and grow with some people in my life who've challenged me to do more things, who've really pushed me outside my comfort zone, who have really, you know, sort of elevated my game by elevating their game. You know, it's it's the whole idea of you know, you become the five people you surround yourself with the most. And in today's world, you know, you can surround yourself with advice and information from anyone in the world. Like everybody's got a podcast. You know, everybody's putting out information. Everyone's telling you how to become. And it's up to us to to just consume the right stuff and take that on. It's such a gift. We live in such an amazing time, right? that we can do all of this stuff. And so tonight is just sort of my contribution to that. Normally I'm sitting across from people and I'm learning from them and I have the opportunity to sit at their feet and just take in all their nuggets. And we're going to get back to that in the next episode. But tonight I wanted to share some of the things that have really been impactful for me, especially the states of being. Um, Hopefully you guys picked up some nuggets from that. If you did, be sure and leave me a comment below. Be sure and like and subscribe. Let me know what you think of Hardwater Radio. Let me know what you think of the content. And I will see you guys or speak to you guys, I should say, in the very next episode with my next guest next week. So have a great one, guys. Talk to you soon. That's going to do it for this episode of Hardwater Radio, guys. As always, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you guys. And if you're vibing on this content, be sure and help us grow the tribe by liking, sharing subscribing, and by all means, leave us a comment on your favorite podcatcher. Let us know what you like, what you dislike, and if you are someone out there who would like to tell your story, we are a collector of stories here. Shoot me a message, jason at hardwater.com, or pick me up on social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, whatever works for you, and I'd love to have that conversation with you guys. Until then, this is Jason Archer signing off, reminding you to remember your future.